The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk again with the coach... Harvey had a big show last week after the news broke where Clay Helton was being retained by uh, Mike Bone, the new athletic director. A lot of interest in that podcast and a lot of questions were generated. We'll try to get to all of them. Lots of emails, voicemails, text messages. You guys have written in and expressed your feelings uh, about this decision. We also have some breaking news with USC making it to the Holiday Bowl. We'll talk to the coach about that. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, to check out everything that he is up to. He just had Gerard Martinez on talking about USC football recruiting, so make sure you check that out. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got the coach on today. We've got a lot of questions for him. You guys have also sent a lot of questions for Dan Weber. We'll get him on the show tomorrow on Tuesday, so we'll have another big show then, but for now, we want to talk to the coach. What's up, coach? How are you? Well, happy holidays, everyone. It's time to go to San Diego to watch the Holiday Bowl. Well, I do want to talk about that, but again, I do want to say thank you for being a part of our podcast weekly. Ryan, I enjoy, how many years is this, Ryan? 12, 14? This, I don't know how many years we've been doing this. 12th season doing, yeah, this is our 12th football season we're finishing up. Wow, I'll tell you what, it sure does fly by. And I'll tell you, we've had a lot of fun working with you out there. And we appreciate your ears and eyes. And we hope that uh, you enjoy our show because all we do is give you our opinion. But I want to tell you something uh, that I think is a strong opinion as far as for all of us. You know, when you think of New Year's Day and you think of the Rose Bowl, what do you think about as far as who's going to be announcing that game? Or it did in the past, and that's Keith Jackson. Well, on the 14th, that's next Monday, we're going to be dedicating or unveiling his statue, the Keith Jackson statue at the Rose Bowl at the south end where the Rose is, right there in that area where it's the Rose Bowl MVP players and where you buy your bricks and stones and so on, uh, as far as with your name on it for the Rose Bowl, and it's going to be a great event. It's open to the public. It's absolutely free. It'll go from about, oh, 11 a.m. to 12.30. Uh, Keith and I became very good friends, and I'm going to have the honor, I'm going to say honor, of emceeing that event. We've got outstanding speakers and so on. So I'd like you to be aware of it. 
I'd like to invite you. Come down and be a part of it. Don't worry about getting dressed up. It's an outside affair. Be in jeans, Levi's, sweats, whatever. But I wanted to make sure you all were aware of that. So, Ryan, I just wanted to let everybody know that that's coming up a week from today. So they can make plans. Come on down at the same time. Take a look at the Rose Bowl, the Granddaddy Mall. And think of the big game there this coming New Year's. Yeah, hard not to think of Keith Jackson when you watch the Rose Bowl. So I got to go last year, Washington and uh, Ohio State. That was a good one. So make sure you guys check out that event. And uh, I guess we should. We got so many questions. We should probably just jump right into things, Coach. But we do have some breaking news. USC going bowling. We knew that. Uh, third in the Pac-12. A little bit of drama. Wasn't sure if Utah could make it to New Year's Six. They did not. Wasn't sure if the Alamo Bowl would pass up Utah for the second year in a row to pick USC. They did not. Utah go into the Alamo Bowl kind of as expected. And then USC is going to the Holiday Bowl, which a really good matchup against uh, Iowa, also ranked in the uh, college football playoff rankings a few spots above USC. So it should be a, an interesting matchup between the Trojans and the Hawkeyes. We saw this one last time in 2003 at the Orange Bowl, Tony Banks, I think that was the quarterback for Iowa. And uh, USC came out, gave up a opening kickoff for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, and then went on to roll uh, Carson Palmer and company. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a, a good time for USC back in the day. Started the Pete Carroll era sort of rolling. But um, I coached, the, you know, Selection Sunday, there was a lot of stuff you saw. You know, I think it was uh, Clemson had a big pizza party. Um other programs didn't do anything. Uh, what would I mean? Any thoughts on this Holiday Bowl invite? And then, what would you have done uh, if you're USC on Selection Sunday, Coach? Well, first of all, it was a great weekend of college football. I think it's the best, really, when you see that type of lineup and what everybody's playing for, and then the bowl game on top of a conference championship on Sunday. If I was at USC or any university where I coach, and this is what I did when we and I coach, and we were selected to go to a bowl game. Uh, we'd have had a viewing party. I would have had the entire team over at uh, the McKay Center or somewhere, and we would have watched Selection Sunday, and we would have invited uh, the athletic director, administrators, uh, not really family members, but uh, a small ultimate group, equipment people and so on, everybody that really helped us get where we were, even secretaries, whatever, because it isn't just the football team or the coaches. It's the whole football program that makes this happen we'd have had some like you mentioned pizza or something and watched it and found out where we were going and who we were going to play and then i when it was all done and determined i would have asked the people who are not a part of the the team itself uh including the athletic director to please leave the room and we would have a heart-to-heart talk uh, with our football team and football staff and what I'd have said at USC is the following. I'd have brought all the guys in and I'd say, guys, we've just been selected to go to the Holiday Bowl, represent our university, ourselves, which are more important, our coaching staff, our families, and set the record straight at exactly who we are. And we're proud to go down and play in this bowl game. And I would also say that this is going to be probably the toughest 15 days of practice you've ever had since you've been at USC. We're not only going to send our seniors out with a win, but we're going to become a better football team. 
We're going to work hard. We're going to have physical practices. We're going to get our timing back. But there's going to be a period of time that we haven't, oh, a month where we haven't practiced or done the things that we need to do. We've got to become accustomed to our pads again, full speed, reaction, the whole thing. So don't think this is going to be a cakewalk. Or it, yes, it is a bonus. But it's an opportunity for us to become a better football team, a better coaching staff, and for us to unite as a football team to go down there and remember our main goal, yes, is to enjoy the barbecues and all of that thing, but we're going there to play a football game, nothing else but a football game and to come home with a big W and finish 10-4. and four. And think about the offseason with our opening game with a victory. And finish strong as what and why uh, we play this game. And then I would have told all my coaches in advance that I wanted to meet with them individually in my office immediately following this meeting. And I would have told them you've probably read in the paper uh, or other ways of communicating that some people will not be back and some people will because of rumors and whatever as far as changes on our coaching staff. And I would then admit to them that there are going to be some changes and uh, I haven't made up my mind yet exactly what's going to go on, but I'm going to make these decisions. No one else is going to make these decisions for me. But I'm going to ask you to be loyal to this football team. I'm going to ask you to coach your butt off, do the best job of coaching we've done the entire year. I would ask you not to be disloyal to me or to this football program by not recruiting or not doing your job but if you think you're going to be one that's going to be let go, start looking for a job and letting down on what your assignment is, but you're being paid for what you do. And if I hear of any or get a feeling that that's going on, I'm going to terminate you, and I'm not going to be quiet about why I terminated you. You're not going to get your pay. Maybe you'll get your pay. But when, you, when I'm asked to endorse you as a position coach somewhere else or head coach someone else, I'm going to have to be completely honest with them, telling them you weren't doing your job when we needed you the most. Yeah. And I would leave them that way, Ryan, where everybody knows what's on, at stake and where the, everything is on the page. There's no misreading me as a head football coach. There's no wondering what I think, player-wise or coaching-wise. So if I jump on somebody's you-know-what, they know why. And then we break, have a big ready break when I'd give them the itinerary, what our practice schedules are going to be or wherever they need to find out. And we break for the day. Nice. All right, coach. We don't know as of uh, now, we don't know the bull schedule, uh, but you're running out of time with the bull is going to be, um, you know, December 27th uh, down in San Diego. I think they're leaving uh, on the 23rd or 24th. I'm not exactly. Uh, well, we don't know the exact schedule yet. So, um, we'll see how that, uh, goes down, but, um, yeah, we should just kind of jump into these questions. I know you had a question. Someone wrote into you. Do you want to start with that one? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I got a uh, email to my website from Luke and Luke, I told you when I gave you a uh, direct message back that I would address this on our, uh, podcast today. And I want to do that. Luke, uh, uh, said to me, he said, coach, you say you never want to advocate the firing of a coach, but a lot of your comments really basically indicate that. And I want to clear that up by saying I'm completely honest on what I'm saying about the coaching situation. I have never said fire Coach Clay Helton. I have said these are the things that I see and I observe. You form your own opinion. 
on what I'm saying. But I never did say or advocate firing Coach Clay Helton at any time, and I never will do that. Also, you asked me, let's see, what was the other thing you asked you? You asked me, oh, yes, why do people indicate uh, to Coach Clay Helton, they call him Clay and Helton, and they call you Coach Hyde? Now, that's something I don't know. It's something I think that shows you a little bit of respect as far as who you are, what you do, and so on, and what your relationship is with somebody. As far as if you have a personal relationship or you, or he's told you, don't call me coach, call me Clay, or call me Helton, or whatever. But uh, I've never indicated to any of the people that I have or I'm on this podcast to just call me Harv. So I think they show me that type of respect in calling me coach. And I'm sure that Coach Clay Helton uh, would be uh, told uh, or he would tell Tim Tessalone or somebody that that bothers him. Or Tim Tessalone would tell these young men that do cover USC football that please call him Coach Clay Helton. And I'm sure that they would immediately do that. Would would you agree with me on Ryan on that? Yeah, coach. And um, so, like, it's for me, it's more of a familiar term. Uh, it's more personal with. So, when I'm talking to Coach Harvey Hyde, you call him coach. Um, when you're, it's in a professional environment, it's, it's, it sounds a little fanny. And I've talked to different people, different people in the media that have been around a long time. Typically, you're not seeing like the seasoned reporters call a coach coach. Uh, they'll say first name, they'll say first and last name, something like that. Um, coach sounds a little more like, Hey, you're my coach, sort of thing. Where I can say, Coach Over Hyde, you're like my coach. Um, but for Clay Helton, I'm covering him, so it's more about professionalism, in my opinion. But there's, I don't think there's like a hard and fast rule for that. But if you just listen to most, um, kind of the the more national uh, sports uh, reporters, that's kind of what they do. So I've kind of followed that uh, myself. So it's just more about trying to be at a more professional level. It's not about disrespect or anything like that. Yeah, and among coaches, so you know, every time I see a coach, I don't call him basically, how you doing, Clay? Occasionally I might, and he'll call, how you doing, Harv? And there's no feelings on that. But most of the time, you know, we call each other coach. How you doing, coach? How you doing, coach? It's sort of a mutual type of understanding between all of us coaches on the respect we all have, what we go through, what we've been through, and that type of relationship. So I hope I answered that for you, Luke, and Thank you very much for getting that to me. Yeah, thank Luke. Thanks, Luke. Um, we got. We just get into some of these questions. I always ask, and I feel bad. Like, please don't leave long voicemails. We can't be. Um, you know, you can't have the whole show if it's a three-minute voicemail. Quint wrote in. I mean, called in. Uh, Lamar from Lancaster, Bill from Connecticut. All of you guys left three-minute voicemails. Quint said, "I'll keep this short," and then leaves a three-minute voicemail. Uh, sorry, guys, we can't play them when they're that long. And we also had. And if you want to write in. Uh, like more than a page worth of stuff, uh, Chris and Palace Verdes, that's for the message board. Go to uscfootball.com, post it on the message board. We can't, you know, I'll be dead trying to read uh, 700 words that you've written into the podcast. That's not a podcast question. We want to keep those short as well because uh, we got to keep the show moving. You know, in the off season, maybe there's a chance to do one of those, but on a day like today where we got so many, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to read or play those that are super, super long. So, Definitely, if you want to do that, um, you know, not the long voicemails, but the long uh, posts, the long emails, go to the message board, uscfootball.com, post it there, post it on the Fight on Forum, post it on the Peristyle, and you'll get people's reaction to them, and we can react to it too, but we can't read those really long 
diatribes here uh, on the podcast. All right, well, let's jump right in. We got a text message from Mike from L.A. Uh, he says, we lost Urban because USC wouldn't commit to being elite. That's hard to swallow. Why should we expect things to change over the next five years? This was our chance. My USC alumni friends and I have all decided to stop following USC and become LSU fans. Ryan, do you think the LSU home game versus Texas or Alabama would be a better atmosphere for our first game at Tiger Stadium? Coach O, here we go. Mike from L.A. Uh, Mike, I've never been to Tiger Stadium, so I couldn't tell you. Um, but I know there's a lot of people that are pulling for Ed Orgeron and, uh, and LSU. They were hoping they'd come out, you know, out west, but they got the number one seed, so they're going to play in Atlanta. I think it's Atlanta. Um, instead of uh, Phoenix. So I'm actually going to go to check out Clemson and, and, uh, and Ohio State. So that should be fun. But, yeah, a lot of, a lot of LSU fans. I don't know. What do you think uh, from Mike's, Mike from L.A.'s text, Coach? Well, I think a lot of people are really happy for Coach Ed Ardron. I really think they are. He was a likable type of guy. Everybody loved him. Everybody felt that he should have had his opportunity at USC. I think people are cheering for him. I think he has a lot of fans cheering for him that are Trojan fans. Uh, seeing John Robinson on the sideline along with Marcus Allen, that's quite a statement. I'm telling you, that's quite a statement as far as him uh, inviting them down or having Marcus there as a guest. And John Robinson now is a offensive consultant coach down there after he was let go at USC. There's such things as respect and you know, sometimes coaches always have an office in the, uh, the football building, whether they're getting paid or not, just because of respect to them and what they've accomplished. But now he does have that down in LSU, and he seems very happy down there. And, of course, the big man himself really is happy. He can't get any better. So can you imagine if he wins that game in the Peach Bowl and then all of a sudden he goes to the national championship game, which is being played in Louisiana? Ryan, what do you think those tickets might be worth? Do you ever hear him after the game when he says, the first thing I, he says, I, I'm proud for the state of Louisiana. Before he says anything, we play for the state of Louisiana. I mean, he's putting a fence around that state right now. Oh, yeah. As far as football players, isn't he? And then he talks about his players and coaches and so on. I'm telling you, those tickets are going to be unbelievable in the state of Louisiana. Yeah, if, he, if they advance to that first round um... – I mean, they they get they're going to be a double digit favorite over Oklahoma. Then they get to play in front of uh, their home crowd in uh, New Orleans. So that's going to be crazy. The number one seeds never won the championship, and and Ed Orgeron has a chance to do that. So congrats to Ed. Um, here's a voicemail. I don't know, if, Coach, if you got to hear after your show on Thursday. I did a show with uh, John Wilner, who does a great job covering the Pac-12 um, for the uh, San Jose Mercury News. We had him on. We got some people reacting. This is a, a voicemail about that. I'll play it for you. Hey, happy Sunday, everyone. This is Dave from Bessier County. I apologize. My last voicemail got cut off. Uh, just wanted to touch on what John Wilner was saying in his last podcast, Ryan, and this uh, question is directed towards Coach Harvey Hyde. Um, he hit on the head when he said that the culture needs to change, and as long as Clay Helton's there, there's no way it can change. I completely agree with him. I just want to see what Coach Harvey Hyde said. I know I've heard him preach multiple times about discipline and practice, uniformity, and uh, I feel like, does he feel like, is there anyone else in the program right now that can sort of restore that or lead Clay Helton in that direction? I think about two years ago that Notre Dame lost at home and us not being ball eligible and seeing JT Daniels and some of the kids on the sidelines laughing and joking. And I just don't feel like that's something that you would see with an Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Those players would be, would be furious. You see guys in the bench holding their heads in their laps, crying, tears. I just feel like 
this is something that needs to change at USC, and I'm just wondering if Coach Harvey Hyde feels like is there anyone anyone out there that can sort of start bringing us back into that direction. Appreciate what you guys do. Love the podcast. Fight on. Well, normally normally you have a couple of enforcers on your staff, coaching staff, if you don't have that personality. Okay, now I was very fortunate. I always had that personality, and I always made sure I had a guy on the offensive side of the football, normally my offensive line coach, and my defensive line coach or somebody on the defensive side, linebacker coach that was an enforcer that always made sure there was no question about being at, being at the meetings on time, being at practice on times, wearing the proper gear on the field uh, as far as being in charge of the offense and defensive side of the football and those matters, the entire thing, uh, going bed check, everything. So there was no misunderstanding of what the rules were, regulations were, the sideline rules, riding the bus, riding the plane, any simple thing, we had somebody in charge of it. So nothing was overlooked. Because every little thing is like a termite. And you've heard me talk about termites. Termites eat away a building, okay? So you've got to make sure you've got the eye on everything you do. Because kids are kids. And, uh, you know, you even go as far. And I'm sure that Coach Clay Helton does this. You have a security guard at the at the staircase. You have a security guard at the elevators and everything as far as in the hotels, wherever you stay. All of the above. Because of the security and the importance that I used to even on a bus convoy to the stadium, have the uh, policeman, you know, blow the siren a few times just because of the importance of what we were about to do and the importance of the football team itself. Uh, uh, I don't think at USC, to answer your question, there's an enforcer that I see as far as verbally. Somebody that when they talk, their heads get off the ground, they look and so on. And as, as, much as Coach Clay Helton has tried to change and be that individual, you are who you are. And I think that uh, he can be an enforcer as a head football coach in different ways and being silent sometimes. If you watch Bill Belichick or if you watch some of the other coaches, John McKay, they didn't say a lot. But they could look at you and that gave you a, a little bit of an understanding of what's going on. So I think that's very important that you have that type of personality on your staff just because of the importance of enforcement and also letting you know when you do something good and when you do something bad. And I think you have to be fair as a head football coach in your critical side and also you have to be fair in your positive side. And if you're always negative, 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 and you yell, yell, yell all the time, they quit listening to you, okay? So you've got to make sure that when you do speak, it means something. And I think that's what you got to do. Yeah. Agree with you there, Coach. I uh, don't really – you know, there's there's some of those kind of personalities here, but there's not like an Ed Orgeron or Marv Goo. You don't there, – there's not that guy on this staff right now. And certainly that's not really Clay's personality, so that could be maybe something that's addressed uh, over the, next, the coming weeks or so. Uh, Eric in Duck Country wrote an email, and Coach Hyde, in a clean program, he said there's so many people – who lists one of the positives of Clay Helton as being that he runs a clean program. Is that really such a noteworthy, accompli- noteworthy accomplishment? Is the cleanliness of USC's football program at an elite level? Thank you, Eric and Duck Country. Well, what does a clean program mean? Do they take a shower every day? <laughs> I mean, I want to know what that term means, clean program and integrity and all these words that people use. I mean, I think you use the word judgment as something 
how you run your football program. You use good judgment on how you handle individuals in every single individual case. Everything's a different type of situation and case. Whether you scold, whether you love, whether you sit down and have a discussion, whether you threaten. I mean, you've got to know. And, of course, you've got to enforce the rules and regulations that you set as a football coach. Now you don't advocate any NCAA violations, but now you enter, enter the entire football program and the university. But I think that every coach uses judgment on every decision he makes in every single case, whether it's a discipline type of program or problem, or uh, if you excuse someone from practice, or, or if there's a violation, uh, how big of a violation is it? Do you turn that violation in? Do you discuss it with your athletic director, or does he intimidate you so much that you can't discuss it with your athletic director because he'll make a decision, you know, where it injures the football program and also at the same time the student, athlete. So you got to use your judgment and you got to understand where you are. In the Southeastern Conference, you don't see many people turning each other in. Why? Because they all have an understanding of how important football is down there. So there's never a violation, okay? Yeah. Every program is clean. They, because everybody is operating out of the same rule book, okay? So if you turn in one, they turn you in. Uh, it's that big of a program. In the Pac-12, it's a little bit different out here. So uh, I think it's important that you don't use the term clean program. You use the term good judgment and do what's right for your football program so you don't jeopardize everyone in it. All right. Uh, let's move on to a text message uh, from Charlie. Uh, thanks for all your hard work. Huge USC fan, but like everyone else, very disappointed in Clay Helton. And they definitely need to get rid of Clancy Pendergast and John Baxter. I think a great hire would be Chris Claiborne, a great coach, and I think he would be a great recruiter. And I believe he'd get all the great linebackers here in California or other places to USC. What are your thoughts on him? Thanks again, Charlie. Charlie, he's a high school coach. Just USC's got in trouble so many times just hiring former USC football players. That is a terrible idea. If you want him on staff somewhere, that's fine. You want to be the def I'm, I'm assuming you want him as the defensive coordinator. No. Uh, I like Chris Claiborne a lot. You need an if you're going to get rid of Clancy Pendergast, you need a really experienced, very good defensive coordinator. If you just want to bring him on staff for something, that's fine. Um, but no, you're not going to bring him as a defensive coordinator. What do you think, Coach? Well, he was an outstanding player. And as far as him being a defensive coordinator, I haven't seen him coach. I haven't seen their program. I don't know much about it. Uh, I know that he'd have respect for the players, but I think that he'd be a great college coach as far as being able to coach and have the reputation. And I think it's important they do have coaches on their staff from USC that are successful and know the tradition of USC. And I think that's one of the problems right now that they don't have a president that really knows the tradition of USC. She's having to be told it all. And of course, uh, Mike Bone, who's new, is learning the tradition of of USC as far as through the decisions and every day's uh, on campus at USC. And I think sometimes it's very important to uh, have that around and have a championship ring on your finger and have your pictures up in your office that shows the teams that you played on and how many people you beat and all that. I think it's very important to have that visional importance of your football program. Now, as far as him being a defensive, defensive coordinator, I can't make that decision because I really don't know his uh, ability to know the game of football. But I know one thing, uh, I wouldn't pay him a million dollars 
And not that he's not worth a million dollars, but if I could go out and get a guy that's at, you know, Alabama or a guy that's at Clemson or a guy that's at somewhere that I know that he's been under the big lights, not only as a player, but as a coach and has faced uh, this type of uh, competition and I'm willing to pay him, that's who I'm going to go for. He's demonstrated he can recruit in the whole package and I could surround him with great people. And, of course, I'd allow my defensive coordinator to do a lot of the say on who he'd like to be on his staff. I don't want to bring him in and then load him down with people that doesn't know his system, and he has to teach them, and then they have to teach the players. You've got to bring him a couple of guys or let him bring a couple of guys with him that have played for him or coach with him so that they've uh, got more teachers than learners on your staff. So that's where I feel on that. I have nothing to say against uh, Claiborne. I think he was a great player, and he's done a great job in high school and all of the above, uh, but I can't talk to him being as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, He didn't say that specifically, but he said get rid of Clancy Pendergast and hire him, so I'm assuming that you mean that you want him to take over as defensive coordinator, but which would be a terrible idea. Sorry. All right, here we go. Let's move on. we got the next question. Yeah, hello, Ryan. This is Lee from the Bay Area. Uh, you, I'm calling. Um, this is, I guess, your next podcast will be with Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, I think you missed Dan Weber, but my thought is just reading the, uh, a lot of the, uh, reading the boards, um, just, you know, reading the uh, board. Um, well, a lot, of USC, a lot of the USC fans are really hot. They're hot. They're angry. They're hot. Do you think this can go really bad for the new president? And the new athletic director, I mean, do you think it gets to the point where they're booed and they will be made to be uncomfortable? I mean, I'm not wishing anything bad on people, but, I mean, you think it would be, they would really, it would be made uncomfortable for them. Uh, thank you, Lee from the Bay Area. Thank you. Real quick, yeah, Lee, just, uh, he says they're hot. He said they're hot three times, and I think he's right. The fans are hot. If you just look on Twitter when one of those, when Mike Bone or Carol Fult tweets, about anything else, every mention is from hot USC football fans that are mad that they brought back Clay Helton. So they're already feeling that socially. I don't know if there's going to be an event, maybe the next home basketball game. But, I, yeah, I'd be curious to see what the reaction is. But the reaction on um, social media has not been good. You know, my feeling is it wasn't a, a really good way to, uh, to be, my, make my, be my first decision uh, as far as as an athletic director at USC. It was a tough decision, and the reasons that he gave for keeping Coach Clay Helton is, I think, the thing that angered the people the most was that he didn't interview or talk to anybody else, that he likes him as a great friend and so on. And I think people all agree that Coach Clay Helton's a great person. But you got to look at the entire program and where it's, you know, it is, and Ryan, I think everybody probably knows this now. They lost another commit, so now they're ranked 87th in the country. And when you hear him talk about also the athletic director, what a great recruiting class they're going to have and this and that, you know, I mean, maybe, like I said, what was it, on this show or last week, I said, when if you were at Idaho, maybe that's a pretty good recruiting class or whatever. But USC is expected to be in the top 10 every single year, and if it's in the top 10, uh, too many years, that isn't good enough either. So I think that he got off on a, a wrong start. 
as far as uh, playing it. And Mike, I know you probably listen to this. Uh, you play the politician role, okay? Rather than manufacturer and say, hey, I know this is what I do. It's a tough decision for me. Uh, I, I like him like everybody else does, but I'm going to look at it and I'm going to decide who's the best. I'm not going to put off something that I might have to do later. So if I have to make a change here, I'm going to make that change. And I think that's what everybody wanted to hear you say. And we want him to be successful. USC people want him to be successful. But everything is indicated that it hadn't been that way. That's why I gave you my indication a moment ago of what I've said, what I would be saying to the team if it was me as a head football coach at USC this this past Sunday. Did he say that? I don't know. Did they have a meeting? I don't know. Did he tell the coaches that? I don't know. But I think you've got to be friends with your coaches, but you're not in love with your coaches as far as what's best for your program. And uh, you can be friends, and you can't defend them all the time. You can be professional. But when something isn't right, you got to address it. And I think if you're an athletic director, if something isn't right, you got to address it. So I think he sort of uh, swept the dust under the doormat and let it ride. And all that does, if, he, if Coach Helton doesn't go 10-2 and two next year, which is what people are looking at, and that same old story is going to start again, and all you did was put it off a year and made it tougher, made it tougher to make a decision. Yeah, no, completely. I agree with you there, Coach. the The message hasn't been great. Obviously, the 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 point of the message wasn't well received, but how it was delivered too, where some fans feel like Mike Bone was kind of blaming the fans on poor recruiting and just sort of sweeping that under the rug. So I I, I think recruiting is going to get better, but it will definitely be the worst class we've ever seen. Um, so it's just some of the comments seem pretty disingenuous. Um, hey, 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 wait a minute. First of all, if he's blaming the fans, please. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, he's saying the he's fa- he said the fans need to come out to you know support the team, and that you know they see that. He's like recruits see that, so he's basically saying if the fans come out, then recruiting will be okay. You know, and and I I just oh, think well. like you've asked the fans to do a lot year after year. Now he's not been here for it. You've asked the ha- the fans to deal with uh, mediocrity, with poor decision making, with terrible leadership, and you can't come in and then just be like, hey, just be on board, be part of the team. Be loyal, and they've been loyal, and they've they've just been. It's like they've been crapped on. Now they want someone to come in, the adult in the room, to make a great decision. That decision wasn't made. I don't think you can ask more of the fans. I think you've pushed the fans to their limit. If that if that makes sense, Coach. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't need somebody being a cheerleader. Okay. Yeah. I need someone doing a job, and I don't need someone telling me what to do. You do your job, and if it's what we want out there, and you perform, and so on. And you give us a reason to get excited about college football, we're going to support USC. If you keep kicking sand in my face after a while, I start to say, you know what? I don't need this anymore. Yeah. So I think you're in a very, very, very important uh, position. And I think on your first decision, I can't say by keeping him was wrong or right, because I'm not advocating that, but I'm saying you should have rethought it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is Joseph. Um, he said, empty seats. I listen to your podcast all the time hoping that I could get a hint that Helton would be fired. I'm so disappointed that USC was not willing to go out and get a high-caliber coach like Urban Meyer uh, that I'm sick to my stomach. Since I was a kid, I was a rabid 
faithful USC Trojan fan. Growing up, waiting for the time I could go to every Trojan game. Today, USC indicated they're no longer interested in pursuing national championships. That most, uh, that, I'm sorry, that the most they're going to aspire to in the future is winning the week Pac-12 conference. So will I go to any more USC games while Helton is the coach? No. Uh, so there will be another empty seat, my seat. No one in the athletic department has shown me as a fan that my opinion does not matter or I'm a complete fool to spend money on this third-rate show. Uh, I, a lot of rabid USC fans feel the same way that I do. Send the athletic director back to Cincinnati and the head, co- the head of USC back to North Carolina. I am simply done. Uh, that's from Joseph. Well, Joseph, uh, you certainly uh, uh, gave us your thoughts, and a lot of times that goes through, uh, through a lot of people's heads, those type of things. Uh, uh, let me let me tell you, the, the Pac-12 kicks itself in the face all the time. I mean, the face of the Pac-12 is USC football. The Pac-12 coaches had a big party after they announced that Clay Elton was coming back. Because they knew if a coach like Urban Meyer got the job at USC, they'd all be playing for second, okay? They all knew that, just like they played for second with John McKay or Pete Carroll or whoever. Domination, it's called. And then, uh, I hate to say this, but in the championship game, Utah didn't show up. Oregon gave them a beating. Utah embarrassed themselves. Uh, And the Pac-12 has one team going to... a major bowl game, and that's Oregon to the Rose Bowl, where there's a tie, a tie for that game, which I think would be a great game, Oregon and Wisconsin. But look at the Big Ten. They have three New Year's games. I mean, really. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, the difference in money and what they do and as far as publicity in the Southeastern Conference and where they're playing in their bowl games and championship games and so on. You know, kids today, it's a little bit different. Kids used to, you know, used to hear I'm going to SC. I'm going to SC because of the education plus a great football program. Kids today are a little bit different. They see the money and everything, and they want to go now where the crowds are sold out, and they all think they're going to play in the NFL. So they're going to go to those places. Are they going to live there after they graduate? I don't think so. But right now they're not thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about today as far as football. Parents are the same way. So right now... USC was sitting in a position where they could have made a move. Everybody playing for second. Oregon now has come in here and made a statement, and they're stealing everybody. They're getting all the top recruits. Why? Because they care and they want to do it. But they still can't compete with USC if USC wants to get after it. So I think they really did kick themselves in the foot, I think, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, and also the way that USC handled this situation. I'm going to tell you, the the Pac-12, I talked to the coaches, and uh, they had a big party. Yeah. When all your enemies, when all your opponents want you to do something and uh, that's what you do, it's probably not a good sign. If they don't want you to hire someone, if they don't want you to do a certain thing and you avoid doing it, then they're all going to celebrate, and I think that's what they were doing. Um, Well, you know, let me me just put this statement. I mean, I love Coach Clay Helton. But he says it's an honor to play uh, the, the coach at Iowa, uh, Kurt Ferentz. I mean, honor to honor to play him. It's an honor to go down there and kick his butt. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, there's no honor. He's my under. He's the other general right now. 
Right now, yeah. I'm going down yeah. there. You know, he, it should be an honor for him to play us. Don't be giving me an honor to play him. He should be saying it's an honor to play us at USC. That's my feeling, okay? Yeah. As far as our program compared to their program. When Hayden Fry was there, okay, okay. But I'm just talking about right now. Kirk Friends, yeah. Um, Fred wrote in. Now, Fred, you get a little personal here. We don't want to be flinging insults at uh, people. But he said, I agree 1,000%. It's our uh, president, Fultz. She knows nothing about football, but I must put blame on Mike Bone, too, because why would he take the job if hiring and firing the football coach is not his job? Is this man and his agent um, – He's more insults here uh, – they know you're supposed to put that kind of stuff in your contract. Uh, the hiring, firing of a head coach is a job of the school president. It's not the job of the school president. It has never that has never played the game of football and obviously knows nothing about the game. Please, Mr. Wilner, uh, as he was talking about John Wilner, who we had on last week, explain the stupidity to me because nothing could be this stupid. Uh, well, so Fred's not real happy about uh, these decisions. So kind of the same. Uh, Stuff we've kind of heard before, I guess, Coach. Well, let me put it to you this way. <clears throat> he played the game as a backup quarterback at Kansas, okay? And he has been an administrator before as far as an athletic director. But as an athletic director, he keeps making the statement, I'm going to get together with Coach Clay Helton, and we're going to really put a football program together here. We're going to give him the necessary funds. We're going to put, get the right coaches. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that. What do you mean we're going to do? Hey, I want a football coach. I don't have to tell him what to do, okay? I got other things to handle. I want to hire a football coach, and I say, here's the keys to every office. Bring me in a list and tell me the way you want to go. Well, let's win the Pac-12 championship next year or whatever. What do you need? I don't want to tell him anything. I want to give him the keys to every office in the entire football uh, building, okay? And I got to go off and do my other things. I don't want to have to work with anybody. I don't, and when I hear this, I say, what is this assistance uh, that, what is the AD meeting with the football coach every Monday morning like Pat Hayden did? And I, I don't want the guy in my office. I'd hand him the playbook and say, here, you be the coach. I don't need your help. Hire somebody that can do it then. Fire me or whatever. Pay me off. I don't care. But don't make those type of statements that you have to work with him and making sure he has the right coaches. We're going to work close together. Hey, you got a lot of other problems you got to solve, okay? Hire a guy that you have all the confidence in the world that you're going to get done with the goal is at USC as far as their tradition, okay? And do it within the, the, the strength of the guidelines of the NCAA. I mean, I would let him know that. Now, hey, listen, now, you be careful out there. Let's don't get ourselves in... In trouble, because I have to fire your butt. Because in the contract, it says with NCAA violations, you're gone and I don't have to pay you off. I'd remind him that, but then you better win too. <laughs> and uh, then we let it go at that, and I'd move out of his office and tell him do whatever you want with the office, get it ready to go. Yeah. All right, right, let's. Uh, we got another voicemail for you. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, it's Andrew in San Diego, and I just wanted to ask you guys what you thought about the attendance in the Holiday Bowl. This is the first time I'm contemplating not going to the Holiday Bowl, even though it's in my own backyard, just because I want it to be a somewhat of a protest, but at the same time, you want to support the players. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you think majority of fans will indeed boycott the bowl game this year, or will most likely make the trip? Thanks. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know. I know that uh, both the Holiday Bowl and the Alamo Bowl were didn't know what to do as far as the selection. They could have uh, gone either way with their teams. Uh, they're not sure if Utah would travel to Texas. I mean, if you looked at the Pac-12 championship game, how many people were there? They might have said 50, 45. There's maybe 30 there. And how many people will travel as far as USC with all this going on? I think the the loyal, faithful Trojan will drive down the freeway to watch them play against Iowa. I think it'll be a nice game. And uh, I'm really anxious to see how they prepare for that game. That's what I'm concerned with. How do you prepare for that game? If you remember the last time they were down there against Wisconsin, I hate to bring this stuff up at the past. They practiced five days, maybe it was seven days, the 15. Never were in pads. Had new coaches that had, that he let everybody go. Justin Wilcox, all those guys. They had volunteers and GAs coaching it. That's what I want to see. I want to see just how serious they are in beating Iowa and their program and getting better. So, you know, we'll see what happens as far as the number of fans that go down there. Uh, that's not my concern. I don't care. I'm not in the ticket office or the PR office. I'm just looking at the football itself. Yeah, and I, I'm. You know, we've had a lot of people say they're going to boycott the game and stuff, and I'm not going to. You know, if if fans don't want to go, if that that's how you know, you want this to bring you joy. This is entertainment. So if you're if it's no longer bringing you joy, I'm not going to fault fans that are saying uh, I don't want to go. Now there's other people that are saying, hey, you want to support the players, even if you don't agree with the administration, agree with the coaches. To me, that's the fans' call. Like this is your time. It's your money. You could be doing a lot of other things. If this is still something that's bringing you joy. I mean, you're listening to the podcast, whatever you're doing, go to the game, you know? And if you don't want to go to the game, don't go to the game. But I, yeah, that's, I mean, I, to me, that's just mostly up to, uh, you know, the individual fans, what they want to do. Um, all right, let's, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back. We still got a bunch of questions. We'll try to rapid fire through these, coach. Here we go. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, let's go through the rest of these questions. We want to make sure we get everyone that, that wrote in something in a reasonable size. We wanted to, to read it on the air. Uh, Chris from Medford, Oregon. Uh, what changes would Coach Harvey Hyde make if you were the leader of the football program? Thanks and fight on from Chris. Nice and short. What changes would I make? Uh, we're going to keep it short. We, you know, we don't want to get to every change. Let's give it well, a cu- think, couple I top three. I, yeah. Right. I just think that uh, I'd have made a complete change. Uh, what I mean is uh, uh, every department, everything. I'd have kept probably the secretary so she could tell me where the files are. I think that's important because he knows where all the ghosts are and where everything's being filed and what's going on. The business manager, I'd probably keep him around to know what our budget is. A couple of recruiting people, I'd want to file on all of that. I'd keep them around. But I want all the people to work for me. And another thing, and I've said this before, I terminate every single person and make them reapply so they know they're working for me. 
I don't want anybody saying uh, I work for someone else. No, you work for me. Fill out an application, come in and let me talk to you about it. Maybe we'll keep you, maybe we won't. But there'll be some people that I know that I, if I've been around, I talk to people on who do who's doing a good job or whatever and who the kids like and who uh, has the same type of philosophy I have. And I put that staff together. But before I even come, I know who I'm going to bring. Coaches who get jobs, they're starting to put their staff together now. They already know who they're bringing. They're going to bring people that they respect or they played against and couldn't beat in recruiting or couldn't beat on the field. They loved the defense they ran because it was difficult for them to play against them. They loved the style of offense they ran because it was difficult to defense them. Hey, you already know who you're trying to get. You just got to go out and be able to get them. And when you're at USC, it's tough for somebody to say no, especially when you're a new head football coach and you got a five- or six-year contract, you can get top coaches to come with you, but you're going to be around a while if you're successful. You do your job. But if you're a carryover in this type of situation right now, how many people are going to come out and coach? How many people are going to move their families out here? No matter how much you pay them on maybe a year-to-year type of deal. So whether you're you're not. And even if you give them a three-year contract, they got to move their families and do all of this. So it's a very, very difficult situation. It definitely is, Coach. Um, all right, let's move on. Bart in Marin County. He says, Hi, Ryan. Thanks for another fantastic job by you and your team this year on the Peristyle Podcast. Coach Hyde failed to speculate that Clay Hilton might have been retained due to the massive cost of buying out his contract, which ESPN College Football show host said was $20 million. If USC wasn't embroiled in numerous recent legal and ethical scandals highlighted by the hor- horrifying college admissions scheme, Clay might have been let go even if SC had to pay $20 million to his buyout deal. Helton has run a squeaky clean program for almost five years since Lane's departure. Do you think Urban Meyer uh, even received an offer from USC with his dubious history of running dirty, albeit championship football programs? Prior number one in 2020, pay whatever it takes to retain Graham Harrell. He knows that the combination of SC's stable of incredible receivers and our two amazing quarterbacks, Slovis and Daniels, cannot be matched by any Texas team. Cheers, Bart in Marin County. Man, he's all over the place in this one, Coach. Well, that's all right. Uh, but I understand his frustration and so on. Let me let me tell you, at USC, you don't have to run a dirty program. You've got USC as far as your recruiting image. You don't have to run a dirty program at USC. Uh, people will give their right arm to go to USC as a football player and as football coach. Parents are proud to have their kids go there, especially in Southern California. We can go to every single game. If you're a great athlete in California and you know about it all over the country because of the weather, the Rose Bowl, and every other thing, Southern California, as far as, you know, who USC is. So Urban Meyer wouldn't have to cheat. He hadn't been a cheater. When has he been a cheater? He's never been a cheater. He doesn't have even an NCAA violation. Yeah, he had some conflicts with athletes down in Florida, but hey, those kids were recruited by everybody. I've said this every week. They all had an opportunity. He gave them an opportunity to go to college. They just didn't take advantage of that opportunity. It's really too bad that those kids couldn't adjust to what college was all about. And at Ohio State, he had a problem there, not with himself or running a clean program. He had a problem with one of his assistant coaches that didn't know how to handle himself. Okay, but how can that be Urban Meyer's problem it is as far as if he knew about it but again that is a delicate situation and i don't want to get into that 
But I'm saying as far as a football coach and as far as the NCAA violations, hey, man, this guy's a Nobel Prize winner. He's going to be the College Football Hall of Fame. Every time I see him Saturday sitting on the set, I say, oh, my gosh, can you imagine him in the program at USC? And could you imagine the buzz right now throughout college football everywhere with Urban Meyer back in coaching, the stories, okay? There'd be some people that would write negative stories, okay? Hey, but USC needs to stop the bleeding. And the way you do that is you put a big bandage on what's going on. You let it heal with a guy like him. All right. Uh, This one's a little different. Uh, Fairweather SC fans. He says, SC has a new president, and uh, they didn't sign this one, so sorry about that. But SC has a new president, a well-known, experienced AD. We let go of Orger and Lane Kiffin, and I recall when there was a doubt about Pete Carroll, we had a criminal in the athletic department making thousands of dollars in our own business while using faculty who had no idea they weren't working for USC, but for her. I think they know more than any fan about what's happening at SC right now, and they don't want any more problems slash corruption. Helton, with a few changes, and the quarterback and other freshmen who are stepping up, making a difference, will be given a chance this year under a new administration. We don't need baggage. Let's concentrate on cleaning up the athletic department. So it's a little bit different uh, point of view there, Coach. Yeah, uh, when you say cleaning up the athletic department, I don't think that football had anything to do with anything that happened there, and I think that was just a lack of uh, administrative uh, what uh, uh, management and university management or whatever. And it wasn't just USC that had some of these problems. A lot of schools had these problems, but it's unfortunate that those things go on, but uh, the legal system will handle that. And uh, of course, uh, some of the other problems too, the legal systems will handle that, but you got to move on and, and you know, you don't win every game either, but you try to win every game. Yeah. And I think that uh, this is what exactly one area they could have cleaned up a lot of the morale at USC by a spark of a possibility of a change in a direction that would have been a real positive decision. And a moment ago, I didn't answer the question about the $20 million buyout. Hey, a $20 million buyout, okay, it's big money, huge dollars for all of us, okay? But in a situation where you are, you get that money back in one year, okay? Just with more advertising, more season tickets, you're going to lose another $20 million anyway just on people not being a part of the program, okay? Yeah. So you got to make it a year earlier than, than, uh, than, uh, than rather than make the decision now than later, okay? Yeah. So that's just a phony cop-out thing of people that try to find, find a reason why they don't make changes, okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. This is also a different uh, a different point of view. This is from Richard. Uh, howdy. I can't believe all you people that have never coached at Division One level think you know so much about coaching. Well, Coach Harvey Hyde's actually coached at Div- Division One level, Richard. Um, just try and relax. While Coach Hyde has recruited all these young future football stars, why should someone else get to coach them that has been an assistant coach somewhere? Well, that's what Clay did. Clay was an assistant coach somewhere, and he took over. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think you want to hire an assistant coach. You want to hire an experienced coach. That's what got them in the the trouble in the first place. If Urban Meyer was our coach, that would be hard to argue because he's possibly the best coach on the planet. Division one coaches don't forget how to coach with all the negative reporting on USC. What do you expect? 
are you really going to blame USC's problem on negative reporting? This is ridiculous, Richard. Don't print coaches' records for the past two years. Only print his entire record. Don't blame him for the reduction of USC football attendance when those idiots at the Pac-12 office have instated the Pac-12 after dark crap. I intended all whole games this year and playing Fresno State and Stanford at 7.30 to open the season and then Utah on a Friday night at 6 p.m. That's absolutely crazy. All those school presidents and athletic directors are just looking for more money. He said some bad words there, but I won't read them. Uh, the hell with the fans. I coached the USC men's tennis team from 1980 to 2002, winning four NCAA team titles. Richard Leach, USC coach. Uh, interesting. So this is a former USC national championship winning coach. Coach, I could not disagree with you more on this. This is uh, bad decisions. If you made bad decisions and you lost, you would probably be fired. You know, that's just the way this works. Uh, wow. I, I don't know. What do you think, Coach? This is uh, this is interesting. I didn't realize this was from uh, a former USC uh, national championship winning coach. Well, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of lo- loyalty, okay, in yeah. coaches. And obviously he's been in a situation where uh, he hasn't had uh, support that's necessary. Plus, he knows uh, exactly the stress and the things that a coach and his family goes through. And it's, it's hard to win. Not easy to win. And he's coming to the support of Clay Helton uh, at this time when he feels he's getting battered, and he is getting battered. But again, you look at the situation of the negative thing that's being said. What do you think they'd have said about you, Coach, if you didn't win? I mean, uh, they'd let you maybe have some of the same type of target practice that's going on right now. Yeah, but again, you are very fortunate, and obviously you're an excellent coach to win national championships, okay? Well, all the people are just asking is for the same thing in football. And uh, I think that uh, football is a sport that is highly public, rec- public recognized, uh, and, and it's, it's something that USC, which is great tradition. You were there, you know. So what do I have to tell you about USC football? I haven't tell you anything. And again, I appreciate your support to Coach Clay Helton. Yeah. But again, a lot of these problems are are caused by not having to look and evaluate the entire program. And you tell me, Coach, and I'm just talking to you, Coach to Coach, uh, is it the level of football program that you're accustomed to at USC and recruiting and all the other things that are going on? And you'd have to say, I think, no, you're not accustomed to that. So I think that you're not trying to treat him poorly, but I think they do an injustice to Coach Clay Helton when they allow it, allow it to continue. It's like a doctor when somebody has some type of problem and they don't correct that problem, they let it get worse. And I'm not going to use those terms because I don't want to use health terms, but just look at it that way. That's the best way. Yeah. And uh, Coach, uh, when I was in school, you were coaching there too. We would go to watch some of your matches. My buddy Andres was on the team. Uh, but, you know, if I don't, I don't know uh, Richard Leach's background. I assume he was pretty qualified when he took over the USC job. You can't say the same thing for Clay Helton. He wasn't qualified. He wasn't a top assistant from a top head coach that normally gets the jobs. He was the assistant that happened to be around. They needed an adult in the room. He was that. And that doesn't work out. When you see coaches take over jobs, like Lincoln Riley, he took over for a legend. He was a you know top assistant for a great head coach. He brings the, his team to the, the playoffs, like right. You know, within a couple of years, there was that great Rose Bowl year, but you started one and three and got smoked by Alabama. That was the best year, like the year that won the, the Pac-12 championship wasn't that great. You still lost, you know, got crushed by Ohio State, you got crushed by 
Notre Dame. And then the last two years, to have 11 losses, you can't just look at the whole record, but 11 losses in the last two years when you have the fourth best talent in the country, it's like you, Coach Leach, if you had like the best players and you kept losing games and losing matches, that wouldn't be tolerated. So that's all we're saying, Coach uh, Leach. But thanks for writing in. That's awesome that uh, he wrote in there. He was he was my, the coach for the tennis team the whole time I was in school. So congrats no, to no, him. He's a hell of a coach. Now I know who it is. Yes, yeah, certainly he's a hell of a coach. did a great job. And I'm sure that uh, his loyalty means a lot to Coach Clay Helton and everybody else. But yeah. again, yeah, I'd like to ask him if he was the AD, what he'd do. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't get, disagree with you more, Coach Leach, but uh, I love the fact that you wrote it. Thanks. Uh, text. Uh, this is a text message. Uh, hypothetically, if Carol Fold hired Mike Bone with the understanding that he could hire a new coach, but then perhaps didn't let him after he accepted a job, do you think Bone should have resigned in protest? And we kind of talked about this in the war room a little bit. My understanding, coaches, was Mike Bone took the job. That was what was going to happen. He had the understanding that he would be able to hire a new coach. It seems like, you know, the you know the Carol Fult office wasn't really on board with doing that. Um, I don't think he's going to resign. But what what would you do, coach, if someone hired you to do a job and you're the main part of your job, you're supposed to do something, and then the, the your bosses wouldn't let you do it? I, I mean, it puts you in a tough spot. Well, it would, and I don't know what happened there. I really don't know what happened there. Uh, if if she stopped that hiring or not, but he's saying he didn't interview anybody, so I I somewhat believe him. I hope to. Otherwise, he's really covering up for her. But, uh, uh, yeah, as an athletic director, I want to run my department. I don't want you to tell me how to run my department. I don't want problems in my department, and don't push it off on me. Because I got to go sit in restaurants, okay? And I got to have people give me the eagle eye. And my family's going to be out here. And I don't want people in looking at my wife or, or driving by our house, TPing our house, and all the other things. So, you know, let me at least be accountable so if I make a decision, I can live with it. And it's my fault, or it's give me the credit if it was a good decision. And if you're in a position that's all you want to do, is do my job the way I want to do it, okay? And then if I can't do it, get rid of me, okay? But if he's working under the idea that he's running it and he isn't running it, then you're a, you got a tough job, my friend. You got a really tough job. Yeah, it is a tough one. He's uh he's taking a lot of heat, and uh, and so is Carol Fult. And you know, it's fans are letting him know that this is not the decision that they wanted. Uh, we got a couple more. Dave from uh, Alaska, from Eagle River, Alaska. This is a good one. The major uh, lesson of history is that we fail to learn the lessons of history. Hello, Ryan and Coach Hyde. I remember running onto the field to celebrate the last second field goal to beat Stanford several years back. And also remember thinking that Coach O has just solidified his grasp as the permanent head coach. Thank heavens that the administrative powers that be decided that he was unqualified and instead got us Faith Family Football. I have to review the tape, and we're putting the final touches on a great recruiting class, Clay Helton. Two questions. Uh, what were the major objections to Coach O? And two, what can we as fans do to bring some common sense and rational thought to head coaching choice choice decisions making decision making by USC? Please keep uh, staying the objective. Please keep excuse me. Please keep staying objective. Objective, even though I understand it can be challenging. And please know your work is appreciated. Dave from Alaska. 
Dave, that's all we're trying to do is be – I'm not trying to be overly negative. We're trying to be objective. If USC is going to make decisions that just don't make any sense in the, the grand scheme of college football, if they make hires that no one else would make time after time again, you we have to call them on it. And, you know, it, if Alabama wouldn't do it or Ohio State wouldn't do it or Texas wouldn't do it, that's what we're going to tell you, and that's what we've been doing. But thanks for the email, Dave. What do you think, Coach? No, really, uh, we just try to tell you our opinion and what actually happened as far as what we saw, as you saw, and the way I understand it. And uh, and I got it from inside sources that uh, Ed Orgeron was too popular, my, my feeling. And he's a, a bold individual, and he uh, isn't a country club type of appearance of a guy. He probably didn't have the same vocabulary Pat Hayden had or probably the same Nobel Prize winner, whatever the hell he was. And and uh, and he was misled. He was told to uh, go out recruiting on a Monday, and if they can announce on a Monday that, and they also told him he would have an interview, and he comes back, he's called off the road, and they already hired a coach, and what's been going on in the background? You think they just call up Monday morning and hired a coach, that's impossible. So he knows he was lied to, and he knows that it killed him because he wanted to be the Trojan coach. It just ruined him. He had a nervous breakdown, I feel. He had to sit out a year from coaching. He exited the campus in one day, and so I was checking out and talking to the team, broke down. And uh, I think it was a big mistake, just a big mistake you don't handle that way. Also, another coach was terminated in the airport by the same individual. And I, I think that the players loved him. He's a great recruiter. He'd have a great staff put together. He's proven what he can do. Down at LSU, people love him. I've heard stories of his recruiting and how he recruits and how he goes into the home and plays with the dog and people that rolls around on the floor and I mean, he's a person that you like to be around, and he'll back you up. And I think that's something that players like, that he's a coach's coach. I mean, you're not going to mess with him. You understand where you are, okay, all the time. There's no question about who you are and who he is. And I'm not quite sure if weak administrators or people who are uh, in positions that uh, that are people stronger or smarter around them. I've always heard of this, and I tell People, when they interview for a job, be very careful not to be smarter than your peers person that's interviewing you, because that's intimidation. And I think the Big Ed would have been a lot more popular <laughs> than uh, the current athletic director and people are there, and it was easy to go another route, okay? So uh, that's my thought on that. They've been the biggest mistake in the world on that hire. Uh, they should have given him a chance. If he'd have done it, great. If he didn't, they people know he they gave him a chance, but they decided to do it another way. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Coach, on there. Like he wasn't... they did now, just like they did now. Yeah. They decided to do it another way. Yeah, there's an obvious, like, smart choice, and then USC makes the opposite of that. Um, and then I, the most insulting part of that was is that if, you, if you got rid of Orgeron and you brought in Chris Peterson, that makes a little more sense. You get an order on to bring in Steve Sarkeesian. That didn't make, that was, yeah, that was the worst move. Hell, I mean, uh, Hayden made a lot of bad moves. That's got to be the bad, the worst one, because then it allowed Chris Peterson to go to Washington. They end up going to the playoff, all that stuff. Uh, this one's from Sage. It's more of a statement. I'll just read it, and then we'll go to the last one. 
Uh, USC football has been boned again. New year, same treatment. Whenever I see Helton on the sidelines, he looks like an imposter. I swear he just looks out of place, like he doesn't belong there, completely in over his head. Uh, Sage not very happy. Then we got the one last one from our buddy Sergeant Strong uh, in Fort Lewis, Washington. Uh, well, I tell you, this has been a disappointment in USC's administration. We keep a non-winning proven coach, bring our football uh, – well, he says we keep a non-proven winning coach. Can they bring our football program to greatness? I think it's total trash. I think if we were really wanted to get our point across and our dislike for this coaching decision is to not spend any, spend any money on the program at all. Talk with our wallets, not with our mouths. I'm just frustrated as all as ever. I can't believe we have to endure another season with Clay Helton as head coach. I think next year I'm going to volunteer for a deployment to Afghanistan. It would take that misery over watching another Clay Helton-led football team. Holy cow. Uh, Sergeant Rodney Strong. Not very happy, Coach. What do you think? Well, I understand the frustrations. I really do uh, with uh, the fans. And, uh, you know, see, USC football fans are hardcore, okay? And I don't think people understand that. I think that, uh, especially if you're not from USC, as far as the college president and uh, the athletic director, and he just got himself in a mess as far as coming in here in the situation he is without having the complete say. And if he did have the complete say and he didn't utilize his power to do the right thing, then then he's maybe somebody that doesn't know too, and now you have two people who don't know. That's a pretty good set situation. But you go back and you look, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. It was the responsibility of the trustees and regents to relay the information to the president during the interviews on what a big decision this is and what they expected. Now, if they allowed her to do this, then I think all the blame goes back to them. Because they allowed it to be this this type of decision and this type of ending, Okay. Because they're all over these guys. They know college football. They know pro owners. They know what it's all about. They know the people that are out there. And they did not relay to the new president what the importance of football is to USC. She couldn't have understood it. And he couldn't have understood it to let that happen. Okay? Because... USC football fans are astute fans. They're not people that just talk. They're people that know the game of football. I'm giving them all the respect in the world. They're intelligent. They love to read the media guys. They follow recruiting. That's why your website's so hot and why it's so good. These people are involved with the USC football program. And you can't pull the wool over their eyes. And they feel that they have done this. They're trying to convince them of something that isn't true. And this is why people are going so negative and fighting back, because they're the only, this is the only way for them to be able to show their, dis, this, their disappointment. And, uh, and I'm sure they're getting emails and letters and everything else. But they did not respect the football program. And they did not respect the fans who have supported USC athletics for so long. And I think this is why the people are so upset. I really believe this. 
and uh, and that's the best way I can explain it. Yeah, no, good, well said, Coach. Uh, we we feel your pain. We know that the fans are are really upset. When I did a poll on the Peristyle, almost ninety six percent of the USC fans said that they didn't want Clay Helton to come back. So it wasn't going to be a popular decision. It hasn't been. They don't really like the way it was, the message, how it was delivered as well. And uh, I think this is kind of be an opportunity for Mike Bone and Carol Fult to sort of reset and go, okay, here's what we're dealing with. How do we make this better? Clay Elton's coming back. Let's express to the fan base why we think this is a good thing or why we think this is going to, how it's going to help the program going forward. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be well received, but I think they need to be able to do that going forward. You have to try to win the fans back because I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that aren't uh, supporting this team financially anymore. And we've already seen attendance go down. Uh, there's, you know, you couldn't fill up the, the reduced capacity Coliseum. You weren't getting close to that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there looked like there was 54,000 people at the UCLA game and that's not good. I know they announced 60 something, but uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a problem going forward. And, you got to win the bowl game. It's very important. Like Clay, uh, Coach Harvey Hyde said at the top of the show, you got to work hard, prepare hard for this game because it's really important. You got to get that momentum going into the season because it's going to be hard to get momentum against Alabama. That's a really tough game. Um, you know, you win the bowl game, you win, you win against Alabama, you'll probably win people back. But at this point, Coach, I mean, you know, I, that's that's going to be a, that's a tall order. I think at, at this point. Well, it is, and it's sad. It's really a sad moment in USC Trojan football because they had a chance to really get it uh, fired up again, really get the university fired up again, really get Southern California nationally fired up again, have an opportunity to turn around a lot of these athletes who are leaving. Not a lot of time, but boy, I'll tell you, if Urban Meyer calls your house and says he wants to talk to you, are you going to take the call? I'm just going to ask you that. You're going to hear what he might have to say? I would think so. Yeah. And uh, and that's the statement I'll end today's show with. All right. Let's wrap things up then. That's the coach. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the extended version of the Peristyle Podcast with Coach Hyde. We had a lot of questions. and We just did a show a few days ago, but so many people wrote in. We appreciate it. We wanted to get to everyone's uh, questions, so hopefully we did that, except the ones that were super long. Um, but, Coach, thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much, Ryan. Have a great one, everybody. Happy holidays out there. Yeah, happy holidays. We'll be back again next week doing another show. But thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.